Let go. Let's go. Get that money. Get that money. Welcome back to another episode of the Double Up Podcast with Gene, aka the Real Estate Guy, and B Rob, aka the Infamous CPA. This is the podcast about finance, real estate, investing, and personal and professional development. Now it's time to double up. Welcome to another episode of the Double Up Podcast. It's B-Rob, a.k.a. the infamous CPA. Welcome back to another episode of Double Up Podcast. It's Gene, also known as the Real Estate Guy. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at underscore, underscore, Mr. Marshall. Yeah, yeah. We back, we back. You know how we started off. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure to leave a review, subscribe, and give us feedback. And also, if you have any topics that you want us to address, anything in particular that you want to learn about, you know, let us know. Shoot us a DM, leave us a comment. We'll be sure to, you know, incorporate those things in the podcast because the podcast is for you. It's for the people. We're all about, you know, helping one another grow and double up. So definitely let us know. Let's do it. So, how you double up this week, bro? Man, so this week, I'm finally almost at the promised land, bro. Like, I moved my first tenant in yesterday. So, one down, one to go. And I'm almost back to the spot where I can actually start stacking again. Almost finished spending for this crib. Got one more appliance to buy. I got to buy my stove. But, you know, I'm in a really good spot. And then professionally as well, I've been at this new gig for about a month now. Loving it. And they offer me a new position. So, currently, right now, I'm a portfolio accountant. So, I handle accounting for seven commercial properties and they came to me and offered me a financial analyst position over construction and development essentially i'll be somewhat like gcing all of their commercial projects i'll be coordinating with like you know accounting and asset management and capital markets as well as their development and construction teams because everything is in-house so yeah i'm feeling super blessed right now i feel like i'm really walking in my purpose at this moment i'm trying to just keep it going so yeah and uh outside of that i've been doing a lot of reading currently reading retire young retire rich which is a super fire read just trying to read as much as i can soak up as much game as i can and kind of keep that thing going so yeah that's how i've been everything been rolling pretty smooth man i'm ready to you know move full steam ahead into 2020 how about you man how did i double up this week a uh, couple exciting things happened this week so those who've been following the podcast y'all know i work in it so i actually just took a new role as well starting on monday and uh it's actually a pretty interesting role is doing um, cyber threat intelligence. So essentially what it's doing is basically trying to track people who try to hack into businesses, networks for ransom money. Typically that ransom money is paid through the form of Bitcoin. Mm. So essentially what we're trying to do is figure out who are these hackers? What do they want? Why are they after our business and so forth? It's totally flip side of real estate, but definitely something interesting, definitely a value added tool to have in my toolkit. So that's the first thing the second thing is i just got another property on the contract for another wholesale deal um, it's probably going to be my last wholesale deal of the year um, just essentially because i'm done putting out contracts uh you, well you never stop putting out contracts but i'm trying to go ahead and just coast out the end of the year and just put some things under my belt so i just got one property on the contract it's a 4-2 okay it's a 4-2 so he had a listing on the market for 65,000 mm-hmm. and the after repair value is 170 okay so when you hold selling properties people need to understand is what you're doing is essentially selling the numbers mm-hmm. 
you're not selling a house. And one of the two key important things with wholesaling is you want to be able to factor in the renovation costs. Yep. You want to know the renovation costs and you want to know the ARV, the after repair value. Those are two important things that you guys want to know as it relates to operating within the wholesale space. Mm -hmm. Now, what you want to find is cash buyers, end buyer. Your end buyer can either be somebody that's, that's particularly looking for a fix and flip deal or it could be somebody particularly looking for uh, landlording, rental investing. So this specific property that I got on the contract, I'm ideally looking for a fix and flipper. Okay. So I got the property on the contract for 27. So I'm looking at a decent assignment fee. Definitely. So I'm going to let you guys do the math on that, but I'm looking at a decent assignment fee. I just sent out emails today to my cash buyers. I'm, I'm consistently growing my cash buyers list. Uh, one way you guys can grow your cash buyers list is I'll give out a nugget. So if you got access to the MLS, which I do, I'm not going to tell you how I got it, but if you have access to the MLS, you can go on there and see what properties were purchased cash. Okay. And then you're not going to see the owner name on there, but you'll see the listing agent. You can contact the listing agent. And if that listing agent is willing to work with you, they'll give you that cash buyer's information. Mm. They'll give you that cash buyer's information, yeah. all depending on your ability to be able to talk, negotiate, you know, pretty much sell yourself and put yourself in a position where this realtor that you're reaching out to or listing agent feels as if they're going to get something back in return. Right. Right. So one thing that I do that kind of helps me get my deals potentially under contract is my primary focus is if I'm going with a property that's listed on the market, I'm going to tell the listing agent, one, I'm unrepresented. So they're going to catch the commission from both ends, from the seller end and from the buyer's end. Mm -hmm. I'm unrepresented. That's the first thing that you want to let the realtor know. You're unrepresented, so they're going to catch the commission on both ends. And so what you're also going to tell that listing agent is that, hey, look, I'm a local real estate investor. I've been buying properties within this specific area with my team for the last however many months or so, whatever you want to say. It could even be a week or you can even say you're getting started. What you're looking to do is, for you, this is a fix and flip strategy. This is a fix and flip deal. If he can get you to deal on the contract, tell the listing agent that you're going to work with him again and have him sell the property for you. So now he's going to catch the double, he or she's going to catch the double commission on the front end and they're going to catch the commission on the back end once you finish rehabbing the property and then you list it. So that's another little gem that I wanted to kind of give out there for you guys. But yeah, I got a property on a contract, so this will be my last one for the year if everything goes smooth. So when you analyzing those properties for your wholesale deals, yep. are you using the rule of 70 or the rule of 65 as far as your max purchase price? I am using the rule of 70. Okay. So most house flippers, they want to make 30% of the sales price. So if I can sell the property for 230, use 30% of 230, that's how much the flipper needs to make. You need to make sure that your assignment fee and how much you get the property under contract for is included in your 70%. Definitely. Nah, that makes 100% sense. And for those out there that may be a little bit confused, uh, it's this guy named Doug Deputy, right? You can look him up on Instagram as well as YouTube and he break this down in a little bit more detail. And it's funny that we brought this up because I was actually up to like 1 a.m. and I created this calculator that allows me to analyze deals a little bit more quickly so let's say you have a deal right the asking price is let's say seventy thousand, and the after repair value is two hundred and thirty thousand, and it needs a hundred thousand in repairs i have this calculator to say like okay you're going to use the rule of 70 and 
Your max purchase price is 61000 If you're looking for a 10000 assignment fee, then your max purchase price would really be 51000 And then you trying to shoot it out to buyers for that 61000 to get that 10000 spread. Uh, the numbers may be a little bit complicated, but if you just go on YouTube, search Rule of 65, Doug Deputy, and he'll break it down. Super simple. Or what you could do, if you just go to my Instagram page, uh, one of my videos is what every house flipper must know. If you go to my, my Instagram page, and basically, I tell you how to get to your maximum purchase price okay so essentially what you want to do is you want to get the arv and you get the arv by there's a couple ways you can do it you want to analyze similar properties that are sold in the area typically how i get the arv is i get three listed properties that's active and then i get three recent sold properties that have sold within a 0.8 mile radius okay and then i do the average of the three listed i do the average of the three sold and then i add those two together and i get the average of those two numbers and then it give me my arv that's what I do. And then I multiply that ARV by 70%. And then you go minus the estimate of repairs. Yeah. That number that you get is going to be your maximum purchase price. You cannot purchase for no more than that. So your purchase price and your assignment fee must be included in that maximum purchase price. Because you got to think that you're selling this property to a house flipper. So they got to be able to make 30%. Facts. Mm -hmm. So let's get out of real estate. That's a little sidebar because that's not the topic of today's episode. The topic of today's episode is Black Friday. Y'all know it's that time of the year. I'm sure everybody's seen like all the advertisements already going out, all the pre-Black Friday deals. They trying to get in your head now because you know it take what, six or seven interactions for you to actually make a purchase. So companies are doing a lot of heavy marketing right now. Um, you know, they making sure to listen in on your phone calls mm -hmm. they asking for all your cookies on the web so they can see what you're looking at and what your interests are they're going heavy with all that stuff so make sure to have your money under wraps of black friday and your mind right as well because this is the most emotional time of the year so we want to touch on black friday how you can benefit from it how you can avoid getting caught in the trap so yeah let's get into it black friday so one of the things i've noticed that people do on black friday is like especially on social media you got people who say, oh, we're going to boycott Black Friday. We're not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. And then you got people who are that. I'm about to go and get whatever I want this Black Friday shit. Shit don't sell. So where I'm at personally is I definitely understand. I definitely get it. Like Black Friday, I was just reading something that I looked up a statistic on Black Friday. Last year in 2018, Black Friday brought in $6.2 billion in online sales. Think about that. $6.2 billion in online sales. These are just people who are buying online from their house. Mm -hmm. Like, imagine what we could do with $6.2 billion. Man. Well, we can go buy with $6.2 billion. Instead of buying clothes, how much real estate we could have bought? How many businesses we could have invested in? The point is, is that, yo, don't be a victim of these big corporation marketing tactics for Black Friday. If anything, you should be looking at it as an opportunity to leverage this opportunity, for lack of better words again, to either get an Airbnb furnished. Uh, it could be something that you really been needing for your place, but don't get unvalued added things just because you're chasing shiny objects. Thanks. I wanted to jump in and just say like, money is really emotional. As much 
as people say, and I'm a big advocate of, you know, budget and things of that nature, but you have to understand that money is so tied to your emotions. And that's why when corporations are marketing, they try to either make you really upset via like, you know, outrage marketing that we saw with like, you know, H&M when they had, you know, the little black boy with a monkey on his hoodie, or they try to get at your emotions. You know, that's why they say things like, oh, you got Kay's jeweler or whoever that is, you know, diamond is a woman's best friend. Like they get at your emotions to make you believe um, you, need this. you need this or that this is the way something is supposed to be. And they're so good at it because they have, you know, experts in psychology and things of that nature down. And it goes all the way down to the colors that they use in their branding and their marketing. Like everything is very strategic. But if you don't know, then you're privy to, you know, just going out and just spending kind of frivolously because you got finesse. They finesse your emotions. It's easier to do than a lot of people would realize just because, you know, they've been studying people for, you know, however long. And then data is more, it's more valuable than gold right now. And we give up all rights to our data day in and day out without reading the terms and conditions. And it's a Netflix movie about that as well. I forget what it's called, but definitely look up that Netflix movie about data and Facebook and, you know, what was it? 2016 election. So yeah, just make sure, you know, when you're out and you want to make a purchase, just really think, you know, do you really need this? Are you going to regret this later? Try to separate your emotions from the picture and kind of think logically, even though it's kind of tough to do in the moment. Mm -hmm. And don't really get into that habit of thinking like, oh, you know, everybody's buying this, everybody buying that. This is how it's supposed to be. If you don't got at least, I would say at least a month or two of expenses saved up, you really shouldn't be, you know, spending a bag unless you're spending to make more money. Like I have a lot of friends who they look at Black Friday as an opportunity, whereas they focus solely on like electronics and things of that nature, where they'll buy a bunch of electronics during Black Friday and they'll hold them to let's say February, March income tax time, and then they'll sell them in profit. So that's one way you can actually use Black Friday to your benefit. You know, it's all as simple as buying low and selling high, but you will have to hold it a little bit just because it's going to be a ton of sales throughout the holiday season. But you definitely can profit off Black Friday instead of just being a consumer. Oh yeah, no, you don't want to be a consumer. I mean, I, honestly, when, when you think about it, like we are all consumers in nature. For sure. You know, you just got to pick pick out like, what do you choose to consume? I'm an African-American man, okay? And for me, I would be happy if I knew, and there's no judgment to anybody, but there's a lack of Black-owned businesses prospering black owned corporations prospering. I would be so ecstatic to see $6.2 billion in online sales to black owned businesses. How can we unite as a culture to be able to support individuals that look like us? And I think that's a big gap that we're missing because we're so concerned about keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. We're so concerned about, oh, did you get the mics, that, the 11s that came out on Christmas, right? And I'm not saying you can't look fresh, you can't be fresh, but prioritize your investments. If you're going to buy the 11s, the exclusive 11s that's coming out in December, then buy two pair. Buy two pair, flip one, that one can at least cover the first pair or fifty percent. So how can we get more strategic in our approach as it relates to what we spend our money on? But what I've come to realize is that there's some statistics behind this. The black dollar only stays within the black community less than three hours. Yeah. That means as soon as B Rob give me a dollar and I give somebody else a dollar, it's going into a different community that might not need that dollar. 
So how can we start prioritizing and getting more strategic aligned with how we spend our money? And I think a lot of people have been preaching this over the years, and that's why the whole boycott thing came into play. But I'm not saying boycott. I'm just saying capitalize on it. That's my thought process. I'm not saying boycott like Friday, but guarantee I'm hustling. Yeah, make it work for you. And then if you're going to splurge, like, it is a lot of resources out here for black businesses that a lot of people don't even know about, but they're publicized. But if you're not actively searching for them, you might just not come across of them. Like, one website that I shop on pretty frequently for all of my goods as far as home products, you know, toothpaste and things of that nature, I go to webuyblack.com. Um, and I love that site because it has a lot of different vendors, all black-owned businesses. And the price are not even crazy you can get a lot of really nice things really nice quality things off webuyblack.com so shout out to them shout out to whoever created that platform and gave black businesses an e-commerce site where we can all come together and advertise our products so if you have something you're looking for on black friday go to webuyblack.com check out the sales that they have and kind of go from there you might find a new clothing line that you like you might find you know a new brand of toothpaste or whatever so have you uh, so just make sure to check that out but yeah just make sure to use Black Friday as a tool to get to where you're headed. And even if you want to splurge, find out a way to leverage Black Friday to pay for whatever you want to splurge on so that you're not physically spending your earned income. Exactly. Because that's what it's really all about. You don't want to use the money that you actually had to trade your time for to buy these things. You want somebody else to pay for them. And that's why, you know, real estate is so valuable. That's why owning a business is so valuable because they leverage other people to purchase these liabilities and these things that they want so it's the way to go about splurging it's just don't do it yourself don't don't pay for it out of your own pocket something b-rob just said that just really struck home with me and i've been telling people this for a while like one of the key things to success and truly building wealth is step one figure out what you want in life step two figure out how you can get other people to pay for it Everything I do, I'm always consistently thinking about, yo, how can I get somebody else to pay for this date but that I'm enjoying? How can I get somebody else to pay for this new monitor I'm getting ready to put in my basement? Mm -hmm. Right? One of my mentors told me there's two types of people. It's people who collect rent, then it's people that pay rent. He is leveraging other people's hard-earned income to drive around in a Maserati, mm. to drive around in a BMW i8, to take his family on trips to Colombia. Yeah. off money that other people are slaving for. And there's a saying that goes, people work 40 hours a week for 40 years just to live off 40% of their income. Think about it. It's a lot of people out here on a 40, 40, 40 plan. Working 40 hours a week for 40 years to live off 40% of their income. The average retirement age is like 67. Right. The life expectancy only 80. It's increasing due to technology and innovations. So from 67 to 80, that's what, 13 years? Mm -hmm. So you got 13 years to, to finally live and travel? Then what if you you know you get you get sick or you get something happens and then now you got this big expensive you know hospital bill and it limits your ability to travel so that's why it's just important to prioritize you know financial literacy and investing and all of that now like people want the end result now instead of grinding for three to five years and then taking the rest of their life off or just living on their own terms for the rest of their lives and it's kind of as backwards especially when you come from a lower income background. Like, I get it. I get the game. Because I went through the same 
same thing where you know you've been deprived for your whole life and then shit you graduate college you get a decent job making 50 60 70k a year whatever so have you and shit you ready to splurge you like damn i'm gonna get this i'm gonna get that i want to go get everything i never had before and that's the exact way to make you have to work hard your whole life because the people who are the poorest they work the hardest they grind day in and day out for scraps when if they work smarter man the the sky's the limit you just said some shit think about it one of my closest friends she a teacher Mm -hmm. but she don't get paid as much as she deserves to get paid think about it where would we be without teachers right now man teachers are one of the most important jobs to society but teachers get paid the least Why is that? Is that just the way life is? Or is that a systematic technique put in place to keep people who work the hardest at the bottom and keep the people who work strategically and smarter at the top? And so the real question becomes, how do we bridge that gap? And a lot of people still haven't identified that it's a gap. That's the real problem. Yeah. Because you're a victim of what you don't know. That is so true. I think about that all the time. Your point just made me think about how, like, when I was growing up, when I was like, damn, I need to make more money. Okay, let me see if I can go put in some overtime. But now it's like, okay, how can I make more and more by doing less and less? So my thought process has changed, but for a lot of people, it stays the same where they think making more money, they got to get another job. When it's other ways to go about doing it where you're working smarter. Um, And a lot of people, they put a lot of emphasis on work working hard like because that's what we taught we taught you know go to school work your ass off and hopefully one day you'll be good instead of working smart to where you're leveraging other people's time you're leveraging other people's hard work you're leveraging other people's money in order to get where you're going and that allows you to get where you're going faster with less physical effort on your part because there's a lot of jobs out here where we don't work as hard as teachers I can say my current job is an accountant I definitely don't work as hard as a teacher i definitely probably go home feeling more energized than a teacher ever would uh simply because they're chasing around kids all day every day for 40 50k a year uh and i'm making substantially more sitting in front of a computer screen typing numbers in like you really just got to find ways to do more and more for less and less of your time your energy and with less of your money and it's really just a thinking game so it really just all starts with your mindset and that goes back to Black Friday and emotional spending. One one key thing that B-Rob just said, and I remember I referenced this inside of my presentation I did back at Norton last time I was there. One thing B-Rob said is a philosophy to creating wealth. And that's that how can you produce more and more for less and less? And so I want to talk about one individual in particular who is infamous for applying this philosophy, and that's Henry Ford. Mm. Okay, so if you guys don't know who Henry Ford is if you're driving around in a Ford vehicle, Henry Ford is the founder. He's the guy who created it, right? And the reason why Henry Ford was able to create a massive amount of wealth was because he figured out how to produce a massive amount of Ford motor vehicles to be able to supply the majority of the people. And what people don't understand is that that's how you build wealth. It's about how many people can you help. And a lot of people don't like capitalism, but 
but capitalists and capitalism is just money you set aside to advance or enhance the marketplace by allowing yourself to create something in mass quantities that essentially helps other people so think about it with Henry Ford it was vehicles with Robert Kiyosaki it was real estate it was homes people need some place to stay people need a car to be able to travel right for big business owners is their ability to create a mass quantity of jobs so figure out what you can create for more people but for less and I guarantee you can create and have tremendous success mm. and tremendous wealth and I'm on my journey there but these are key nuggets that I'm getting from my mentors that they've been able to leverage these are universal principles universal laws that works so it's just funny how you just broke that down and it still is a lot of people out there like i've been seeing a big debate on social media talking about oh there shouldn't be billionaires when people are starving um and i think this kind of came about because of elizabeth warren wants to put out this wealth tax where she's gonna tax i believe like three percent of the net worth or something along the lines of that i haven't looked too much in it of you know every wealthy person that meets a certain threshold and people are just been debating they say like oh it shouldn't be billionaires but then they're tweeting that off a of iphone like people are so contradicting when it's really just a misinformed and i think and i don't even think it's really more about being misinformed i think that a lot of people thoughts aren't really their thoughts mm. i think that their thoughts are the makeup of somebody else's somebody else's thoughts or whatever someone wants them to think based on things that they see on social media how they grew up their environment things of that nature like I feel like our thoughts are just a culmination of our experiences and a lot of people don't curate their own life experiences they just go through life and kind of take whatever life gives them yeah. and if they're not actively drawing out what they want their life to be or what they're thinking about somebody else is trying to push them in a certain direction and we see that with Black Friday they're trying to push you into their store to make those sales or television shows they're trying to push you to your couch to watch their TV every thing is pulling at your attention day in and day out whether it's social media media where it's just different forms of media social media you got television you got all these different forms of media everyone is trying to get you in their stores get you to watch their things get you to listen to their podcast so on and so forth so if you're not ironing out your lives then you know you're just privy to whatever you see on social media and then your thoughts become just a culmination of whatever you see and whatever you read so it's just interesting interesting how you know a lot of people kind of discredit all of the innovations that billionaires and these big companies have brought to help better everyone's lives and they just focus on the fact that they accumulated all these resources because of it like why shouldn't they get compensated like if you had a billion dollar idea and you help billions of people why shouldn't you be compensated as such it's not taken away from anybody else you deserve it yeah you, you kind of deserve it and a lot of people don't realize that a lot of billionaires and a lot of millionaires like they give a lot back like substantial amounts back and not just with money with their time as well and just investing as well in different you know non-profits and things of that nature granted it's a win-win situation for them because it allows them to reduce like their taxable income and things of that nature but they're still helping individuals for the better good so you can't just get caught up on the fact that they're a billionaire and that people are still poor it's like it's not their job job to solve that in all actuality most people would say it's the government but at the end of the day you got to 
take responsibility for yourself like of course people need help and people should help but you have to look inside as well and say like what are you doing what are you doing to help the cause a lot of people just sit on their iphone and tweet that shouldn't be billionaires when you walk past the homeless person every day you at the gas station somebody asking for money you walk past them you act like you don't hear them and then you on twitter talking about billionaire should <laughs> should get rid of homelessness and the poor and things of that nature and it's just crazy how contradictory everybody is when my mentor he's from japan he told me this today an hour and a half ago he was like eugene the more money you make the more humble you become this is what he told me he said the more money you make the more humble you become he said in my country in japan there's a lot of rice fields he said the rice plant it grows up it's just the leaves and then it's the actual rice starts to form and once the rice starts to form that plant starts to bend so as you grow in wealth you humble in mindset that's the correlation he always talks about how you always got to give back 100%. and be leery of the people who always talking about their successes watch those people those people are not humble and this is something he told me today that i wanted to share with you because it made sense the more money you make the more humble you should become yeah. i'm still thinking about it yeah that now nah, that's deep for real because i feel like the more money you make well depending on your circumstances but in most cases i would think the more time you have and the more time you have the more you'll be able to do things that actually help bring yourself within the center of being where you know you have time to work out you have time to just sit and meditate sit and think and really just be one with who you are as an individual and kind of walk in your purpose but when you don't have those means you're kind of in that constant cycle of just grind and grind and you're worrying about how you're gonna pay the next bill and how you're gonna do this how you're gonna do that and then you want to enjoy life then you got to work out and it's like everything becomes a chore but when you set yourself up for success it's like you buy back your time to be able to do things that's actually meaningful and that can just make you much more humble and I just think about that personally where you know I was broke I was just unhappy and it wasn't even about the money it was like I didn't have time to do what I wanted I wasn't walking in my purpose I wasn't doing things that I actually enjoyed but now that I have and I'm not even at my end goal yet but now that I'm walking in my purpose and I'm doing things every day towards that you know I'm so much happier you know I'm getting up early 5 30 working out I'm prioritizing family and I'm still getting everything that I want to do done business wise and it's just making me so much happier because I don't have to worry about you know how I'm going to pay the next bill only thing I'm worrying about is just being happy and growing as much as I can and helping others as well in the process and it's a beautiful feeling so that brings me back to you know when people say money can't buy happiness which I think is true but it'll buy you the time to be happy as <laughs> shit it'll definitely buy you that time that's what it's really all about a lot of people think oh we love money we slaves to money like no at the end of the day we're trying to be free you know what I'm so glad you brought that up so one of my own family members sent me a scripture and was like cuz something told me to send you this and what was the scripture the scripture was like for the love of money is the root of all evil so basically you associating me with loving money because i'm trying to go hard for my dreams mm. i'm trying to go hard so that i can be able to stabilize and change as many people as i possibly can i got a goal to change a thousand lives before i leave this earth minimum i want a minimum change a thousand lives so i understand that my lack of money is going to limit the amount of lives I can change. Think about think about the violence that's going on in a lot of these communities. The issue is money. It definitely is. That's the issue. Money and resources. 
The issue is bread. Them youngers ain't got no bread. So it takes people that go out there and accomplish and achieve a level of wealth to pour back into those communities because that's how you see change. And that's how we create change. So I think people got to understand there's a difference between loving money and acquiring money to leverage it as a tool. So you can affect change. Yeah, that's facts. I put up a post on Twitter the other day and I was saying like, you know, people really write off ownership and then be upset when they don't have no control in their communities. I just think back to how we used to have to march and protest and things of that nature where essentially we're begging and pleading to rely on other people to take action to make our lives better when if we focus on our economics and, you know, building up our own communities, we can be so much farther along when we think about you know how the Asian communities do it and how other just other ethnicities kind of practice group economics and just get it done like you don't see a huge representation of you know Asians in politics yet their communities are flourishing you know you see Chinatowns and you see all of all of those different areas but when you come to us we fight for you know a corner yeah we fight for the corners we fight for pure representations in government and then the same thing even when people that look like us get in those positions nothing really changes because it really takes a group effort yep. we can't just rely on you one know person. one person but shit you cut the head off of a snake like you saw when you know MLK and Malcolm X was assassinated it's like then what we gotta just group up and just be one it all starts with that mindset it all starts with you know spending your money intentionally and working smart not hard and yep. just leveraging you know one another in our community for sure lift as we climb lift as we climb don't spend the bag on black friday invest in yourself this black friday you know get some audio books get some books invest in a course buy some stock like do something that's gonna help put you or propel you towards your goals and put you in a better position in the future and then splurge on yourself by leveraging other people's money other people's time buy some electronics flip them Bless some shoes, flip them, like five, use Black Friday to make more money. Bet, that's what it is. So we just wrapped up another episode of the Double Love Podcast. It's Gene, the real estate guy. You can find me on Instagram at underscore underscore Mr. Marshall as well as Twitter. Yup, yup. Thanks for tuning in, family. It's B-Rob, aka the infamous CPA. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the infamous CPA. And if you're looking for credit repair services or you need help with money management, be sure to hit up the 700 circle.com or you can find us on instagram at the 700 circle we got black friday deals coming up so stay tuned over and out double up double up